Hey, it's me, Kelly Anakin. I'm talking about Showtime's hit series, Yellow Jackets, one episode at a time with some of the funniest people I know. Let's find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting eaten. Welcome to Blood Hive. Today, we have two very special guests joining us in the Blood Hive. Very, very thrilled to welcome a stand-up comedian and the head writer for Jesus and Marrow on Showtime, Josh Gondelman. Josh, Hello. thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to talk Yellow Jackets with you um, and with, with the other panelists. I think we're going to have a really nice time. Fantastic. Yeah, it just that's really like the elevator pitch for Yellow Jackets is everybody has a really nice time. Just a nice time. It's just it's just fun, you know? And our other guest is a comedian, actor, and writer. He writes for The Great North on Fox, where he also voices the character Jarvis Dufresne. He's also written and appeared on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, The New Negroes, and Totally Biased with W. Kamal Bell. It's my friend, Kevin Avery. Hello. How are you? Hi. How are you I'm, both? I'm fine. We were talking about this before we started recording that like Despite everything, we are doing really well. Yeah. And it's weird that I asked. We've been talking for 30 minutes. Let's <laughs> just keep it very real. Don't don't pull back the curtain on the exciting and fancy Sorry, world everybody. of podcasting. You're right. You we know you know up. everything about you're very caught up on my life. Yeah. <laughs> I we caught up, we reminisced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was the whole world. You did the whole thing. You know, I should have recorded that as like a bonus for Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um ah. You know, just never, never thinking ahead enough. Um, I want to thank you both for being here on this episode, because anytime I work a lot with a lot of women or um, non-binary people, it's like really important to me to then work with some guys so I can (laughs) remind people that I'm not like other girls. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I'm a cool girl. I can, I can hang with the guys. Uh, I think. I've seen a few versions of this, like almost in meme form. But one of the things that makes me laugh the hardest is I'm not like other girls. I'm worse. It's like <laughs> such a funny <laughs> joke, and I wish I knew who to credit it to. I mean, that's just you know, that's just the miasma of being extremely online. Like I see things that I think are so funny all the time, and then I quote them to people. I can't, and I believe very strongly in like crediting people Same. for their jokes. Sure. Yeah. But I'm like. But it's also like their name might be just like, you know, Mama Cass's left armpit. And I'm like, I, yep. I does that actually help anyone? Or you're seeing it totally divorced from the initial, uh, the genesis of the mm-hmm. bit, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just seeing like a grainy, like, like somehow it looks like they got this meme off of VCR and you're just like, <laughs> oh, you just screen grabbed and adjust and cropped and stuff. This, this meme is actually from 1982. Is what are the original? Survive the jump to digital. I will say, Mama Cass's <laughs> left armpit, though. If that, if you just pulled that out of my left out armpit, of nowhere, that's that's. <laughs> Thank you. Thank impressive. you so much. The fact that you started with Mama Cass, I was like, "Where's she going with this?" Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm. Just... I had no idea. I was. I was just saying syllables, and luckily they made a reference that was amusing. Sure. All right. That ha- that's how the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> write songs, <laughs> and also come up with their name. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, I'm so excited to be talking to you both. You are the first men uh, on this very special episode of what? what do the men? Think? Yeah, you're the first men ever. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> history yeah. makers. There's never. 
You've heard of Why the Last Man. This is Josh and Kevin, the first yeah. man. J and K, the first men. Honestly, I think J you guys K should write that man. pilot. Like, I kind of enjoy that as a concept. Mm-hmm. We'll get started. I do, I do think it's the Bible. We're describing the yeah, Bible. Yeah, but there was only ever yeah. one man. Like That's true. You had God create Lilith and be like, whoopsie. And then um, you have Eve come in. But it's like, what if there was a second guy with Adam? And then God was like, wait, 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 yeah. no, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Or if God was like, Adam and Steve, this is a chill situation. <laughs> this is also, this works. <laughs> this works yeah. too. We've got a couple different ways this can go. Like different yeah. drafts of the Bible. I love this. <laughs> I like the first page of the Bible being God just going, let's just mix it up. <laughs> you know? Okay, I'm going to try something here. This might not work. <laughs> yeah. Great. Good news. I, I can edit it out. No, that's God. That's, and God. Do. that's Josh's impression of God. And how wow, it was so seamless. It was, it was so on. seamless. Josh, it was so are seamless. you God? Should your name be Thank Josh you. Godelman? It's, I just don't. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I will. <laughs> don't do accents. <laughs> so God, they all just sound like me. God, it's like if I'm doing, if they're like, I'm, and my wife said, hey, what's up? They're like, does your wife sound like you? Yeah, when I'm relating an yeah. anecdote, she does. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. So, um, again, we could rewrite various sacred scriptures all day, I am sure. Sure. However, what I would love to know from both of you is how did you come to the show Yellow Jackets? What turned you on to this show? I think I just been seeing it everywhere. I'd been hearing about it. In fact, I like I had heard about it a while ago. I thought it had been out. And mm-hmm. at first I was very much like um it just wasn't it, it it looked like something I wanted to see but then I was like but I don't know and I just kind of didn't think about it. And then I realized the show's not out yet. And I was like, you know what? Let me just give it a whirl. That's a fascinating story by the way and I <laughs> Great story. I'm sure you're all <laughs> riveted, but yeah. Warhol S. <laughs> As a an employee of Showtime, I am always up to date on Showtime's fine programming options. Um, but in this case, I I was like, I'm very squeamish. I'm a squeamish person. And so this show kind of came out and I heard people being like, this is great, but it's a little gory, a little scary. And I was like, well, maybe it's not for me. And then this came up before before we started recording. But my our Kevin and I used to watch Breaking Bad at my apartment yes. in New York because I had regular cable. And we watched season the last season, Kevin, my roommates, and our friend Allison Leiby, who's a very funny comedian. And Allison was like, I was home visiting my parents and we watched the first six episodes of Yellow Jackets in like two days. It's so good. So Maris, my wife, and I did basically the same thing. We like binge the first five episodes or six episodes and then watch the last four um, at, maybe not live air because Showtime does this thing where like it just shows up, Netflix does the same thing. It just shows up like at midnight on demand. Anytime it is a show that they are also Actually, that's not true for Showtime because HBO Max does things differently. Because like HBO Max, I think it's they. It seems like my my wife noticed this. I think the difference with them is stuff that's only on HBO yes. Max shows up at midnight. like midnight yes. or three a.m. and then uh, stuff that appears on HBO shows up at the same time as oh, in broadcast. Yeah, on, on, and on, so with yeah. Showtime, when I was watching Yellow Jackets, like basically, I would get to like nine p.m on Saturday because I'm on the West Coast and I could watch yep. it. But the thing that kind of sucked was that, I mean, obviously I uh, started this podcast. So I think I'm certainly on one extreme of 
rabid fans of the show. So it's just like there was not really a substantive conversation happening until Monday when all of the recaps were dropped. Because technically the show airs on Sunday. And I was just like slapping my veins, priming them ready just very early. Yeah, I had to get it in. Who did you... Because I read um, Kayla Kumari's mm-hmm. recaps for Autostraddle, and I thought those were wonderful. Kayla's I were the she, best like... ones, and <laughs> she actually – she was just on this podcast to – Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, she and her girlfriend, Kristen Arnett, came on, which was really fun. Love yeah. Kristen Arnett. Um, I was their couples counselor briefly. Um, on the oh. podcast, not in reality. I, oh. I, I <laughs> Got it. I was like, what an okay. unprofessional yeah, was, thing to say. But say I can't it. stress this enough. I am not a doctor. Well, <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, you yeah. can stress Kevin, it enough. Kevin, I know you want to save money on medical care, but it's just not it's, happening. You know, <laughs> why not? Yeah, but hers to me, hers captured all of the nuance. A lot of the other recaps didn't seem to like what they were doing, which I often find to be an issue with horror. Whether it is something in a podcast, it's something on TV, it's a movie. It's like, why are you assigning people who straight up just hate horror to talk about these? I also wonder, and this is maybe not being. Maybe this is being me being a little snide about it, but I think I read a couple from a couple places that I was like, oh, maybe this person was assigned this show before it kind of became a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so they 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 didn't click with it. They were just like, oh, this is a writing assignment. Of course right. I'll take this. And like they wrote skillfully, but like it but Kayla went so in-depth and so like rewatched episodes to talk about echoes from previous mm-hmm. things. And um and and I thought like like really engaged with the fan theories in a way that was such a fun part of the viewing experience. And I think a a couple of the other recaps that I tried to read and I don't want to like, you know, yeah, you don't need to name names, smirch anyone specific, but like, I do think there are a couple that felt more like, Oh, this is like a Sunday night drama. So we'll assign someone to it not knowing like whether this person will click with it because of the first season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I know Kayla lobbied really hard at autostraddle just to get them to cover it um, because she had gotten screeners and was super into it. And, you know, she was successful, fortunately, but she was just like, no, it's really queer. We yep. need this. And I'm really glad that yep. she did that because her, her comment section was the most thoughtful and nuanced. Um, Reddit was fun just for the sheer bat shittery on display. Mm-hmm. And just like people were like, Adam is actually Jackie. She survived and transitioned her oh, gender. I heard that. And yep. yeah, just, I mean, just all of these like really wild theories. Um, and so we would kind of distill those and then bring them to autostraddle. So there was like a level of curation happening there that was really delightful. <laughs> so I'm going to kick this off. Sorry, Kevin, did you have No, I just was sitting here processing what you just said. And, and I was like, well, that theory just kind of blew my mind. Right? There's so many mind-blowing theories. I I don't know that I've ever <clears throat> been so engaged in sort of solving the puzzle of a show before. Like, even with something like Lost, which I know, like, I, I quit watching, like, they killed Mr. Echo, and I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> um, the Dolphin? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Incredibly yeah. specific. That's how you say Lost and Dolphin. <laughs> Um, but just, I, you know, this, this show hit all of my pleasure centers, basically. Like it's the nineties nostalgia. It's all of these incredible women actresses. There's queer stuff. There's really questionable heterosex. Like 
that's I'm like, yeah, I guess that's wow. It's embarrassing to lay that all out verbally mm. that those are all the things I like. Okay. Yeah, all and right, yet you did it. You did it. And yet I did it. And I did, did it anyway. Um, but I can edit it out if I want to. I like that's questionable true. heterosex. I like that. Yeah. Always... And I actually, I kind of misspoke because it's like, isn't it all, isn't all heterosex kind of questionable? Probably. I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a spectrum <laughs> of questionable to, yeah. I guess, certain. <laughs> I've had I've had some heterosexual. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Well, now, anyway, <laughs> lifetime. I'm now going to go down like a semantics rabbit hole. I'm like, well, when we say questionable, is it like, is mm-hmm. it happening or like, is it ethical? Is oh, this sure. now like a four quadrant? Okay, I'm going to create a relationship oh, book based on this theory. I just thought theory. we were talking about like when you have sex with someone and you're thinking this is questionable. That yeah, mm. that is more what I was thinking. And the both of you, and but then I'm you, loving. Then you realize, I'm oh, loving, I said that out loud. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. ah, yikes. Or, or it's just questionably hetero. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, well, the 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 gathering of people and the the uh, kind of collection of activities yeah. and the gathering of people. <laughs> yeah. That's what my grandmother would call the gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> You know, the gathering of people, the clown folks in the oh, woods. Man. I'm like, well, it's either the Juggalos or a Rob Zombie movie. It's one of the two. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm curious in watching this show, was there any of the kind of 90s nostalgia that comes up in the show that was really impactful for you or something where you kind of had a spark of recognition? Or like, oh, my God, I love that thing. I'm going to let you take that, Josh. Sure. So the two that really got me were like two music choices that like even in the moment I was like I don't know if this is good but I love it like the first one being the the night of the kind of um the doom doom oh, coming doom coming yep that where they were all singing kiss from a yes. rose <laughs> is like a perfect 90s moment um incredible and then the other one is in the in the finale at the uh, at, at the reunion, the needle drop of "Come Out and Play" by The Offspring. I'm pretty sure I like, applauded and like screamed yeah. and like did a fist pump. I, I just couldn't believe how great that was. I was like, I'm enjoying this so much that I can't discern whether, like, if you didn't, if this song weren't like playing on headphones and like on the bus to summer camp was where I, you know, and like every, every, just like every like teen boy party. Like, I don't know if I, if, if that song weren't so enmeshed that I would be like, Oh, this is an effective filming thing. But, but because that was like, that is a song that is just like, so core. It's like in my spinal (laughs) fluid at this point, but I was just like, yeah, this fucking rules. I don't remember the offspring the the song that the that song i don't remember that i do remember kiss by a rose and i specifically yeah. remember like that i had forgotten that song mm-hmm. sure and then i remembered how how hilarious that song became at a certain point because it was just everywhere yep. and to see them all yeah. singing it i was like do they know this is do they know how funny this is and then i'm like oh no this song is just came out for them mm-hmm. so it's not like yes imagine a bunch of us at a party and we all start singing kiss by a rose spontaneously imagine it would mm-hmm. be the most hilarious thing 
It would be so People silly. would be like, what's going on in there? Or I once was at a comedy festival where there was a was like there was like an improv group and their thing was singing um All Star. They clearly did it as a group and they and suddenly this one section of the entire bar was singing All Star and everyone was like <laughs> What the hell's going on over there? And that's what it was like for me <laughs> to watch them sing Kiss by a Rose. Yep. But I really, really loved it because I forgot how much I enjoyed that that song. Hang on. Let me just back this up. Their thing was doing this like in non-improv sanctioned situations? It was clearly a sort of ritual Oof. that they did when they as like a group and and they did. <laughs> Okay. They just started singing it All right. together, wow. and uh, they and it felt very non. Look, I love what you love. I don't, you know, sure. it's, that's that's the thing. I don't. I'm not about being cynical, but it was like, all right. Uh, interesting choice to, but also all star is one of those songs that just has so much like cultural baggage and mm-hmm. and has kind of become like a meme in itself and then there's like the the shrek connection the contraction <laughs> right. and so it's like there it's one of those songs that like when you hear someone singing it they're not just singing the lyrics to the song all star they're singing your cultural memory of all star right. Right. That was, I mean, to the degree that the podcast I used to have where we were recapping The Handmaid's Tale, like their sure. their needle drops were egregiously bad. Yeah. And so we were like, our whole theory on like the series finale was like, Elizabeth Moss is going to get like recaptured or whatever. And then all of a sudden we're going to hear somebody watch. <laughs> <laughs> like to this day, people like get at me on Twitter and they're like, somebody. And oh, I'm like, that's ah. really funny. So we'll and, and these these songs, I think, like for, for the most part, this sorry, Yellow Jackets does a good job balancing. Like, here are the hits of the '90s versus, like, you know, it's not always like uh, just someone. Mm-hmm. You could tell it wasn't just someone googling like what was number one song 1996. Right. To me, right. that's what differentiates it between another prestige show like The Handmaid's Tale, where a lot of those needle drops were terrible because yeah. the characters would not have listened to those songs. You clearly had somebody kind of like choosing mm-hmm. songs that have resonance for the baby boomer generation when mm-hmm. the characters are all Gen X or millennials versus on Yellow Jacket. The songs all feel very lived in, not yeah. just because it's appropriate you know, the people who are writing the show, I think, you know, they run the gamut in terms of their ages. The creators are definitely part of this generation, but also they match it to the characters. Like it's so carefully curated. It is not an easy thing to do to layer that feel into your show, to layer that nostalgia into the show without looking like we're a nostalgia show. And there's a specific show I remember who did it (laughs) and did it horribly. That 70s show? I can't remember. I never watched it. (laughs) I can't remember the the show actually. I I just remember it was something that I really wanted to watch, and it was and and it had that sort of nostalgia aspect to it. It was so heavy handed in the hey, remember this song? Hey, remember this song? It was like that was the it took away from the movie or the show or whatever the hell it was, and and it couldn't and and so I think Yellow Jackets did a very very good job of of sort of weaving that in there. We watched um recently Licorice Pizza and which I I which I enjoyed very much, but there's a moment mm. where it's like a, a heavy needle drop of um Life on Mars and my wife was like, "Yeah, we get it. The 70s." Yeah, and I also <laughs> just feel like uh, you just shouldn't do it anymore. 
like that needle drop jumped the shark when Ryan Murphy had Jessica mm-hmm. Lang anachronistically <laughs> sing it on American Horror Story Freak Show. We've done it in we've done it in Portuguese, right? With Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's like we know, we're curious. Mm-hmm. Is there life on Mars? We need to pick a different David Bowie song. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. A lot of this them. This is the thing. This is the thing where you guys are talking about something I do not know what you're talking <gasps> about. And I know, and okay, Josh, do you remember? <laughs> At the last in the last week tonight writers room, the entire staff was yelling at me because I, up and down. I do I remember heard the song Wonderwall. And, and then and I was like, I don't know. You heard Wonderwall, no and all of you were like, you've heard Wonderwall. Like people were getting furious with me. Have you and been in a grocery store it. in the last yeah. decade? Today was going to be. And I was like, yeah. oh, I know that song. And they were like, yeah. And I'm yep. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I know I know what life on Mars is, but I'm not gonna. You'll he, if you listen to it later, you'll be like, oh, is. is there life on Mars? Yeah, I'm gonna Very, I'm gonna yeah. go listen. You've to heard it, it. It's right in like every movie that where they want to be like, this is the fucking seventies, baby. They're feeling hella introspective, but a little bisexual. Right, right, right. And it's I liked the movie, and it wasn't like a it. it it took me out of the moment because it felt like a, a a thing that a move that I've seen before, and not that everything has to be like the hippest indiest thing of all time, but it's like mm. "Come Out and Play" by The Offspring or "Kiss from a Rose" is like a song that has not yet been kind of, in my experience, repurposed to be like this is the this is the cultural resonance of that song I now. I have a theory about it a little bit because it's like you see in, I'm like, you see in these conversations, and by that I mean Twitter, but kind of people mm-hmm. talking about the erasure of Gen X and yeah. being left out of these nostalgic cycles. I think we're just kind of getting to this where this is really profitable. Yeah. Where, you know, people our age are like, yeah, take me back to the past, baby. But it's like... You know, it's been so unassuming so far. And it's like, I don't know. It's also a generation where a lot of our nostalgia has never left because of the Internet. Mm -hmm. So we're in uncharted territory and sort of like, what does nostalgia feel like now Mm -hmm. versus even up to the 80s or early 90s? It's just a different conversation because we have had access to all of that. You know, if you didn't own a David Bowie record and you were only hearing him on the radio until music got digitized. This is for somebody probably older than us, but like, you know, you're you're going to that's still going to make a more of an impact than somebody who has it all on Spotify. Yeah, I, I think so. Too. I think so. Right. And the the people that are mm-hmm. uh, this is not this. I don't mean this in an ageist way, but like a greater percentage of the people who lived through this period the first time are active on the Internet. Right. Absolutely. Like, I think the the longer we go. Like, I feel like I remember the period of my life where things weren't as online and then like ramping up in, I was like, oh, then this is the transition to like, everything's online all the time. And, Mm -hmm. and I think like, this is like a few years before that cutoff of like, oh yeah, this is something that everybody's aware of because they've seen echoes of it on the internet for 20 years or, Mm -hmm. and now there are more people that have only experienced it that way because there, there are 22 year olds that were born after Y2K. This is making me wish that like maybe one of the lesser yellow jackets, we get to see her complaining in uh, season two that she, you know, she's missing all of her AOL chat rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) 
It's like nobody's complaining about missing the internet, and also nobody's complaining about missing their families. <laughs> I feel um, like uh, Misty would be on some like prodigy message boards. She would be into some weird shit on the internet. Yeah, like she, you know, she'd be like in the anarchist cookbook mm-hmm. community and just like the weirdest things. I feel like she would take. I, I feel like Misty would take her time to get to the weird shit. You know what I'm saying? I think the weird. I think the people who look at the the weird shit on on the internet it it's a it takes a ramping, up. especially back then. I could be I could be wrong. But someone would tell you like it takes a minute. Like there wasn't literally wasn't yeah. Google, and so you'd have to kind of like go down some rabbit holes to get there. I know, and she's <laughs> she's like young yeah. and interested in like you know nursing and and cooking and like then you get to like yeah but if you take these mushrooms and it felt like she'd started to dabble yeah she was at the beginning i mean that's the thing it's like she had her mushrooms but they were in a trapper keeper that that's an outstanding question that we're like where did the trapper keeper come from when did she start (laughs) learning about mushrooms where did she get this guidebook so it's such a it's such a sort of uh um a mix of yeah like the not quite there yet and i'm all the way there but you know what i'm saying like yep what i'm really excited for her you know when she gets back she is just gonna love rotten.com just gonna love it she's gonna be like this is nothing compared to when i had to chop off my coach's leg with an axe (laughs) i was in love with him (laughs) (laughs) he tricked me i feel like Misty, she was sadly, you know, she probably didn't have enough friends to know someone with a Faces of Death VHS. So she needed to wait for the internet, or actually, she needed to wait for the woods to just see people die. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh no, that's why she was watching that rat drown. She'd mm-hmm. heard of Faces of Death, but she, she didn't just- have cool, like, cool, weird <laughs> friends or horrible friends. Yeah. We all need that, though. <laughs> so, transitioning from the nostalgia piece, I'm curious, just as a show, um, are there things that really stood out to you that you loved, things that you really didn't care for? The official stance of this podcast is that the show can do no wrong, but we invited diversity of opinion. Well, I'll tell you. Um, Kevin's like, I've been waiting. Too many list. chicks. <laughs> yeah. What's with all the women? <laughs> women, do we need them? I, no, I, I, I may have said this to you before, but I think the relationship of um i forget everybody's name now but um great news i know them too well <laughs> yeah i want to say uh uh T- tessa tessa taisa taisa thank you um taisa and her wife Simone. the way they raised that child you could tell <laughs> it felt very much and i could be wrong <laughs> I don't want to – I don't know who's in that writer's room, but it felt very much like white people writing for black parents, and it drove me crazy because I was like, there's no way that kid would have survived. <laughs> he would have – just the way he was – Oh, interesting. Talking back to them and – first of all, talking back in the – in just the most insane way that black kids have never – what did he say at some point he tells her i remember you being like he said no and he i think he told her to be yeah. quiet was the one yeah. that really at one point he said you. something and then he he just walks off and i was like what how did he <laughs> how did he do that how did he do that and i'm not even talking about like 
spanking or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just know that there is a certain uh, fear of God that I know <laughs> I can't speak for anybody else that I know black parents know how to put in you so that you don't do shit like that. And I just remember being mortified. But I was like, oh, that kid's oh, he's. He's one of the people who's going to die, but he's not on the island. That must be what that is like. That kid's in trouble. That kid, or not on the, the in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I always just, keep saying on the island too. Yeah, everybody says the island. It's to me, it's the most fascinating piece of the lost legacy, which keeps getting like brought up in critical right. writing about it. But it's just like anytime people are isolated, we're yeah. like the island. We're on the island. Well, they got also go back. like an island thing, right? Like because of lost, mm-hmm. and then just like. It doesn't the, – the area of the woods they're in doesn't feel contiguous with any other place. Mm-hmm. And it is on the edge of the water. Yes. You know, there is mm-hmm. a body of water nearby. So I think there's there's kind of this mindset of like, well, uh, probably goes yeah. all the way around. But instead, it's probably the land that surrounds the water. And it's a lake. We know that. Yeah. But – I'm a big fan of maps that go with a TV show or a book. So um, I'm excited as we continue to learn more. I'm like, show me the map. <laughs> I want to see where everything is in relationship to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Uh, very normal mainstream interest of mine. Um, I I will say my favorite part was something that I worried about over the first couple episodes that I was like, I hope it doesn't take this kind of turn, which is I I get really frustrated. And this is just my own personal taste. This is no, this is not to say good or bad, but like when when there are twists that break the rules that we're used to following of of within the show not like storytelling you know the conventions or whatever but like i like that the twists felt like they came from characters and characters learning new information Mm. and circumstances changing and not like uh actually this character was a ghost and like (laughs) And that, because that kind of thing always feels, uh, it, it rubs me the wrong way. It's just not what my taste well, is. Well, it, feel, it feels like a cheat. Yeah. It doesn't feel, and one thing I would, like, the show is very good at parsing out information mm-hmm. to us and the yes. characters in a way that doesn't feel like it is, like it is trying to trick us, but in an honest yes. way. No, yeah. that makes totally a agree. Lick of sense. I, I think that, especially because it was all written before anyone saw any of it right like the the whole thing was Mm -hmm. written before there were audience expectations at all of the show never mind just like this season there there was no moment of trying to like outsmart what the fans had thought and what the critical Mm -hmm. reception Mm -hmm. was so it did feel very much like we were reacting as week to week to a vision for the show and it wasn't like they were we would catch up and they would try to outrun us you know right right mm-hmm. um one thing I'll, I'll add that i really loved is that just in general uh the casting of it mm-hmm. and i it just i thought of this because i was earlier watching the book of boba fett and uh sophie thatcher is is on that show and all of these actors kind of regardless of what's going on in the story whether you like it hate it whatever they are all doing their thing Mm -hmm. and they're all very fun to watch and so what that's done for me is when i see somebody like sophie thatcher on the book of boba fett i'm instantly drawn to that actor's character and i'm instant she's not 
she ain't Boba Fett. She's not the Mandalorian. She's not, yeah. you know, but I'm like, Spoilers! <laughs> I didn't say anything. How dare you? Oh, it, you're right. I'm, I'm I thought maybe Kevin, she was, was Boba Fett. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the Mandalorian. I should not have given up that she is not Boba Fett. Hashtag Womandalorian. Wom- well, I'm not starting up my Disney Plus again. Um, but yeah, it's it's like I when she's on screen, I'm instantly drawn to her because of uh, you know, I'm just excited to see that actor again. And so mm-hmm. uh, w- within the show, within Yellow Jackets, just watching each of them, I, you know what? I, I, it's, I never come to a point where we jump to so-and-so storyline or we jump to this time frame or that. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of bored. Let's so get to true. I'm into all. I'm like, oh, okay. Back to the 90s. Here we go. You know, oh, we're talking about. Yeah, there's there's nobody where I'm like, I'm going to go fill up my water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't care about this person. And it all feels so tied to like the emotional core of the story and the and the narrative core, right? It all feels so tight. Uh, tightly bound up so that when you see when when you're like oh Taisa is doing something where she's running for state senate you're like no this scene's gonna matter yeah like something it's not just like to establish like unlike state senate am I right I'm like what (laughs) unlike state senate Fuck local (laughs) government. You heard on this podcast first. I don't know why. When I started doing this podcast, I was like, fuck the state senate. I don't care. This is ridiculous. But it's – I do think like all those – like it's not just – they're not just unspooling stuff that you're like, well, I assume this would happen. Like when she's supposed to be giving her – um, when she's supposed to be dropping out of the race and instead you kind of see her being like reanimated to run. And it's like that's – interesting even if you don't care about state senate because you're like oh there's something in her that won't let her quit yeah well even if you're bored by some aspect of it or you're not or it's or it's not your thing or you're not into it there is another aspect like the the whole her running for for office i was like okay okay fine but Mm -hmm. behind that i'm like What's going on with her waking up in the mud and doing all that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like she has a, a haunted and disrespectful baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's eating dirt. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so much there so that you can't really be bored with any of it. You can be like, all right, yes. well, this is a thing that's happening. But so this is going to inform one of these other things or maybe lead to the answer to a question or some, or lead to another question, but it's all very, it's inner, it's woven so well together. And they do, they do really well what the best, um, you know, kind of mystery or puzzle box shows do, which is they give you just enough answers. They dole them out in such a precise way while still opening up more. But again, you don't feel like they're jerking you around. It, it, it's got the effect of just piquing your curiosity more than being like, oh man, there's too many questions. I'm sick of this. I've also, I felt that like, or I read an interview with the showrunners that said that they don't like like leaving people in suspense long-term. Like they like to resolve mysteries. That's like mm-hmm. a thing that is part of their philosophy. So like, I I love that, Kelly, the same. I love that they are like, they set up these mysteries and you I felt like you by the end of the season, you get um, your status enough curiosities have been satisfied, and, and the the story has spun in a different direction where you're like, 
okay, I'm I'm excited to see this because of the new information, not because they still haven't resolved a previous question that I had. And the characters think to a degree that they have resolved mm-hmm. a lot of those driving mysteries. Yes. And or they have accepted that maybe there isn't an answer. And I, that just, to me, is so fascinating because they're all like, well, we're just going to put this whole blackmail thing to bed and assume that Travis committed suicide and we're not going to think about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we get new information, which yes. is that somebody else is still thinking about it. I will say the one thing that caused that gave me some light frustration, and this could all be resolved in the future. So I'm trying to be patient and just be like, I'm excited to see if this comes around and, and, and I learn more. I do think that season one, there is kind of a lot of talking around for the sake of maintaining suspense about mm-hmm. the yellow jackets that we don't see in 2021 right. like they kind of talk around like what did happen to jackie and like is she could she still be alive there were people on reddit kind of analyzing her diary right and being like oh she wrote about movies that came out after the 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 time in the woods so maybe she did come back and like th- they kind of do so much talking around like when when jeff and shauna are at at dinner with Jackie, they like they don't even really say that she's dead. They just say she's mm-hmm. like gone, and so um, and then nobody mentions. I obviously like this is for people who've already watched the whole series, but nobody has mentioned Lottie until the very in the 2021 timeline well and i will say um which we've talked about before yeah shauna's googling herself after her daughter's like mom a dude would google you and find out your whole deal there's a new york times article yeah there's this article that says that lottie and laura lee's families filed wrongful death suits and i believe were awarded something oh interesting i've been operating under the assumption that they all got a settlement of some kind and that's where natalie's porsche and her really sleek rifle came from Mm -hmm. but i i have a lot of questions about that it's interesting to me that we never hear thaisa talk about van yeah um but i feel like i don't know i i have faith in this creative team same where the elisions are more of a trauma response than them being coy i do think though there are moments where like when they're kind of scheming to be like we have to protect ourselves we have to see who's doing the the blackmail nobody was like hey has anyone tried calling fucking van (laughs) there is a line there where shauna's like well it must be somebody from the team yeah and i'm like who whomst yeah whomst is still out there that that thread that thread feels more like, especially with Thaisa having hired a private investigator to look mm-hmm. into the team yeah. and, and anyone around them. It feels like that thread would be pulled just a little more. And that's like when when we get to the end and there's the big twist of like, who's Lottie? It's like, so nobody's talked about her. Like, n- not only – I think if we thought she was dead but she was alive, that would be fine if they were like – if someone had mentioned like – Oh yeah, she she obviously this person's died died or whatever, and then it turned out she's alive. That's like a twist, but this was just felt like nobody mentioned her for the sake of she could still be alive. What it felt to me, honestly, mm-hmm. um, I'm like I'm trying to go back and think like what was my immediate emotional like non podcaster reaction? Sure. Um, the distance between these things is becoming <laughs> smaller by the day. Yeah. Um, we're all just living a podcast. Right. Yeah, we're all just, ah, life's a podcast and we're mm. just recording Life it. is a rich podcast. I've this microphone that. just hovers in front of my face at all times. <laughs> <laughs> you get a steady cam <laughs> gig, but just put a microphone exactly. playing back. 
So I think the point is to be like, oh, my God, is Lottie still alive? Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily have caught that detail. But then, like, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, like, if she was, like, leading this religion, it's also possible that they're pulling a whole, you know, Jesus and or Spartacus thing. Yeah. Where, like, they're like, oh, like, Lottie's coming back. Or they're all like, we are all Lottie Matthews. Yeah. Because uh, I still, my pet theory is that she is actually the girl that falls into the pit. Oh, interesting. I think that um, at some point, uh, people say Taisa and Shauna and possibly Natalie are like not thrilled with the direction things are going with her. Yeah. Um, and I mean, also, I mean, she does need her medication. You know, whether yeah. you believe that she is having a spiritual connection or not it's like she's not doing well right yes uh, mentally so my theory is that she gets out of control i don't like, i i feel like the whole thing is an accident like i think she's sure. like running away from some situation and just happens to fall into this pit sure and then it's like a waste not whatnot situation sure um interesting i totally forgot about the pit thing i think the show has kept me so busy busy thinking about the things that they're trying to handle that i yep. that i haven't thought like well where is the- i mean yes i'm like there is a part of me that's like okay i i want to see if there are other surely there are other survivors and you know mm-hmm. but i haven't quite questioned it in that way yet and i think i've just sort of <laughs> let myself go all right well let's see if they're gonna solve this mystery of who's black man you know and i th- i think they will mm-hmm. like i i really like the the direction that that the show went and i think that like they did such a nice job like again like i said not jerking people around right. and, and and revealing the answers to mysteries but i did i was just kind of like i wish i'd had some kind of preconceived notion about where lottie was that mm-hmm. this could have shattered rather than just like oh they didn't really talk about her right, for right. nine episodes and the same with like the 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 one scene that I felt like didn't move things as forward where I was real, I really had kind of expectations was the reunion, which I thought was like a very funny sequence. Things were shot there, but like we didn't get anything about what people thought of the yellow jackets that we didn't know Mm -hmm. already really. And I thought, that if they were going to introduce another survivor, I'm like, well, surely somebody else would show up. That would have been fun. Or they would mention someone at least. Somebody like, but so instead, sad what happened to XYZ. Or yeah. so you keep in touch with ABC and there just like was no. And we didn't see those interactions. We only saw them interact with each other. And, and um, Randy Walsh. And Randy, Randy yeah. Walsh. <laughs> uh, He's my old, best good friend. Old Randy. Good old Randy. <laughs> Oh my god, when he like comes up to Shauna and he's like, hey, foxy lady, I'm like, I've had this <laughs> interaction at comedy festivals, I hate this so, so much. Funny. There's also like two, two of the jokes that have made me laugh the hardest, because it, it, I really like the tension and the kind of um, bleakness and the darkness of the show and the mysteriousness, which is not a vibe that I always like to kind of linger in. Um, again, this is all just me, I, but like, I do love the kind of couple of times that tension was popped really hard and it was really funny with obviously like, um, there's what, there's no book club and <laughs> just thinking about it makes me laugh. And the scene, I was losing my mind. There, there's like three times I've laughed this hard watching TV this year. It was that the other scene from Yellow Jackets was Misty busting into the motel and starting to preventively do all the cocaine oh, yeah. so that Natalie wouldn't do it. 
And then the third one was, I don't know if you two watch Search Party, but the yes. reveal of Dr. Carpet in season five. <laughs> John Early yes. as as Elliot as Dr. Carpet is like, it's the just the prosthetics and the costuming are so funny. I will say I, I'll say this. Um the, the the there is no book club. Um what that guy I I can't remember his name. Jeff? Yeah, Jeff, right? Jeff. Um yeah. he took a refreshing turn for me for the men. In that yeah. I again Kelly, you and I talked about this. I found all of the men very annoying on this show. Very, maybe almost all of them. Even Coach? No, I, I think Coach, I think, was the only one who didn't that's, drive me that shit crazy. Very, very homophobic, Kevin. Well, yeah. You heard, you, <laughs> hey, look, you heard it here. Wow. You heard it here. Immediately going to like, Coach annoyed me because he was gay. Like, you just what? cut that in. You just robot, robot voice that in. Yeah, you know, Coach yeah. really annoyed me because he was gay. Yeah. I, Kevin? What? I spent my my limited time and resources yeah. deep faking Kevin Avery's <laughs> voice on a very low impact podcast. Oh, oh but you know the consequences right, are in the yeah. mail. There we go. Uh, no, he was probably the only one who didn't drive me crazy because he was. But you know, I talked about the other the other male characters just being annoyingly dumb. Yeah, two of them were talking about our our boys who are there in the woods mm-hmm. with them um you know travis and hobby tra- yeah mm-hmm. and really travis I, that dude annoyed me to no end um but he's a kid so what are you gonna do yeah uh, but i yeah but i think you should you should shit on him anyway yeah, what bothered I, you? I just he's played by an adult it's fine <laughs> i was i just was like calm the hell down man just yeah calm the you, you just relax a little bit. There's something about him that was just too over the top. And this is not, I'm not commenting. This is not a comment on the actor's performance. I think. Yeah. I was going to ask if it's the performance versus the character. No, he did what he's supposed to do. I think it was that, that character that was just driving me. The decisions that some of these folks were making. I was just like, Ugh. um, the, 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 uh, the the guy who um Shauna has the fling with Adam Adam there was something about him that I was like agreed I just like, you show up at her at her place what the hell although that there's something more, more th- his whole thing I just I'm like there's more to there's more to figure out about him I'm very curious about that I would like there to be more of him more to unravel about him because how he met shauna was so weird right she rear ends him and then he comes out so immediately uh ingratiating and flirtatious Mm -hmm. despite her being like incredibly verbally (laughs) abusive even though she's in the wrong and so i that to me like i was talking about this on twitter with somebody and i was like just how hot he came in and some people were like well she's hot like melanie linsky shauna is hot and it's like even so she's being so horrendous to him after she hit his car we would all like to believe that being hot can always transcend the context that we're in but not always, especially when it involves auto collision. Yeah. And he's not, he's yeah. like, he's like, look, sexy lady that you here. Not only am I going to be nice when you're being mean, I'm going to 
personally fix your car oh also people kept referring to him as an artist they're like he's an artist like he's a he has like a thriving career yeah. as an auto mechanic artist but i think that's also part of like that's the lie that sean is telling her right. yes because the only thing more depressing than being in a sexless marriage with her you know high school best friend's boyfriend yeah is then cheating on him with a local mechanic i feel like first of all it's a trade and it's honorable. Second of all, um, I agree. That's from Shada's point of view. Sure. I can't. I have but no skills. On I'm the doing news, a podcast. Didn't they call him an artist on the news? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like, God. and it's like, okay, why would the so- news think he's an artist? He lied about going to art school, and he has a career. <laughs> I here. Okay, here's this is my tinfoil hat on Adam at this point. Yeah, please. I think that he is connected in some way. With what we're calling on Reddit the sweatpants squad who kidnapped Natalie sure. at the end of the finale. I think he is somehow connected with whatever remnants of the Woods cult are left. You know, whatever this thing is. Yep. I think I think that he was like sent in to do this. Interesting. Uh, because another thing that was pointed out is like he had been missing for less than like 36 hours at that point. And and his like, family lives far away. Yeah, his family lives far away. So it's like, who, A, noticed that he was gone? B, I'm pretty sure they won't put out a missing persons report until 48 hours for an adult. Um, I could be wrong. Right, that's I'm, just called going somewhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like the fact that suddenly it's on the news fascinates me. And I also think that, like, my other super deep theory is that somehow the symbol on that postcard like activated a switch in Taisa, like Manchurian candidate oh, style, shit. but like way lower stakes, obviously state Senate. Um, <laughs> but just, I don't know, somehow, like, I feel like somehow there is a web here with everybody who's local. I do actually think Misty is in on it. I think that is a feint that they're playing. I- because she kind of absolves herself early on. It's like, I didn't, you know, you're just going to have to trust me. And like, yeah, well, she seems trustworthy. I like Christina Ricci. I don't think she seems trustworthy okay. at all. <laughs> she seems like a maniac. I'm a notoriously bad judge of character. So <laughs> I'm, I mean, she's great. I mean, I love that performance. Oh, man, I'm <laughs> loving her character so much. It's yeah. just uh, the young and old, older Misty yep. are there. It's, oh, just chef's kiss. To, to watch mm-hmm. the both of them the, do that. It's so fun. The line from young Misty to adult Misty, I think, is, like, so visible in a way that you're like, oh, this is how this person who was, like, stuck in the woods with people she really wanted to like her, but who never really w- considered her a peer, and this, like, older guy she was in love with that, like, didn't reciprocate her feelings. Like, how that person turns into, like, nurse who inflicts pain on her nursing home patients and like it is like oh this is so uh i yep yeah. i see that yeah. the thing <laughs> that i'm enjoying about the two the difference between the in their performances uh some yeah. might say this is a flaw i think i i really like this is that um christina ritchie's crazy is in her eyes and mm. uh and Samantha uh, the, Hanratty, Hanratty, her crazy is in her smile. Oh, interesting! And I really, I, I was just thinking that I was because I'm when you see Samantha, you know, perform and she starts to get that 
reach that whatever misty level, that special level of misty. It's yep. it, I always see it in her in her smile somehow. I don't I don't know. Like when she's about to break the black box. Yeah, the there's something just about her dishonesty and and when she's or or whatever her whenever when she's on her bullshit, I feel like it's in her smile. Yep. Whereas <laughs> whereas Christina Ritchie is just doing so much with her. Whether I, Christine Ritchie is now full steam ahead, Misty. You know, whatever. Ten years yeah. later, so it's like she is that Misty. She's had these ten years to become that person, and so now it's just she's walking yeah. around with it in her eyes all the time, and it's great. What I like, I like the idea that it's like she's now concentrating it in one of like the smallest visible parts mm-hmm. of her body. Like, there's something to that image, and it's still not enough. Like, it's still not hidden yeah. enough. Yes, people she, still but- don't like her. But she right. But she also knows like how to manage it. Like you kind of see it. It like kind of feels weaponized. Like when her mm-hmm. like her vibe, her whole energy. Like when she's talking to the other people she works with at the nursing home, and she's being like nice mm-hmm. to them. You kind of feel like she knows they don't like her, and she's doing it like at right. them. Whereas child misty i think would felt very wounded and you could see that wound and then and it comes out when she's with the yellow jackets like Mm -hmm. she cares what they think of her she doesn't care like what some guy on a date like you could see her like like kind of manipulating him into coming into her house and like hanging out with her bird (laughs) Uh, if i get a nickel for every time i've manipulated someone into hanging out with my bird Mm -hmm. no and i love i love to use the word weaponized because something that i love in media and potentially in life is like weaponized femininity sort of Mm -hmm. these things that we've been taught are weak or ineffective um, and I thought of it earlier when we were talking about her trapper keeper full of poison mushrooms, where it's like, here's this very feminine thing. You know, you talk about a trapper keeper and it looks very much like a high school girl's binder, but inside is this deadly tool. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what I love about the show as a whole. And I also think that part of why the men are annoying is that the people behind the show want to subvert our natural instinct to assume the men in the room know what's going on and Mm -hmm. it's like it's systemic it's not anybody's fault but it's like if any of these male characters was somebody to really take seriously it would draw focus Mm -hmm. from the people we're supposed to care about i think the men are also like generally they're like kind of out of control and and like emotionally reactive and like like travis especially i feel like he kind of like he's annoying but in a way where you go oh that's like a uh, like an 18 year old guy right Mm -hmm. like that's a way in which an 18 year old guy is annoying and unpleasant and like and not thoughtful especially 25 years ago there's just this idea of like you know like i think it was more prevalent in culture like no man like she's a fucking slut bro and like i think obviously that still exists but i think like you see an, an 17 18 year old in 1996 reacting that way and it, it, it like kind of makes you itch to yeah. watch, like makes your skin crawl a little bit to watch but you're like oh that's like a way in which this guy would be shitty he's not like evil he just it like doesn't have a handle on right. things and isn't as emotionally evolved and in tune as as the like as right. natalie but i will say this and this might yeah. be adult Kevin talking, <laughs> but yeah. Wait, who's been here up until oh, now? Oh, Kid Kevin. 
Kid, kid, okay. kid Cam gets <laughs> Your DJ I, alter ego. I'm going to need adult Kevin to sign a waiver for whatever Kid Kevin Back has in the said. day, what, my, I, like one of my earliest, here we go, B-boy names was Kid Kev. Not even kidding. <laughs> I was, love it. I, there was Kid Kev, there was Jam Master K, and then eventually it, it became Kevy Ray Supreme. Well, I Wait, what was it? Kevy? Kevy Ray Supreme. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. of course. Wow. Um, wait, another, sorry, another journey. tiny moment from when we worked together was when I walked into your office, it was like late, I, we were both there a little after oh. hours, I was like about to go to a show, and you were digitizing oh, some I old cassettes that, that was that was music yes. that you'd made from like in this in this Kid Kev era, and uh, and I, you gotta let me hear it, you were like, never I, in your life. I think about that every now and then. Because I never finished, and so I still have that recorder laying around. In fact, I think it's right there. Oh, it's so funny. The tapes are somewhere. Today could oh, be the day. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I remember that very vividly. I that's so funny that you mentioned that because I think about that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I, what I was going to say is that, uh, uh, not yeah, Natalie. She spoon feeds it to him in a way that is almost supernatural for a girl her age. And so I'm like, I, I actually, yeah, she's like, she's just rolling out the red carpet for you, man. Just, t- yep. I, and I don't mean yep. sexual. I mean, she's trying to help him like mm-hmm. be a better person. Yeah. Like just chill. No teenager has the, most teenagers don't have the capacity to, certainly not back then to, to sort of, I think, do that and so for 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 him to not be able to accept what she's offering it just drives me crazy because i'm like it's it felt like such a rare thing i'm not saying it's not possible i'm just saying it felt like such a rare thing and so it frustrated me that he was just like he couldn't just calm the fuck down and kind of roll with it he couldn't take yes couldn't take yes yes for an answer well and it was just like also, like, to me, I'm, like, being that obsessed with this guy who, like, gave him this stupid nickname, um, I was just, like, you're going to let that get in the way yeah. of You're in love. Girl- you're yeah. in the woods. You're- what else yeah. are you going to do? But I do, think, I do think the way that they parceled that out, like, it wasn't just her going, like, and I hooked up with this guy, Bobby, or whatever his name was, yeah. that, like, she, that was the one thing she was not, like, super open about because she knew how much it would hurt him because she mm-hmm. knew the story about the nickname, mm-hmm. Flex. And then Jackie did it, and that's when he, like, that's, I think, when it became sure, a lost sure. cause, right? When he was like, well, and- oh, fuck. But, but again, I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying, like, the way that that storytelling worked was so effective for me. Something that I thought about later, so we had a guest on for episode eight, Maggie Takuda Hall, who kind of pulled out some of her own experiences in middle school where people were giving her these nicknames that had like a really racialized component. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the nickname Flex has a racialized component, but you do look at the Martinez family. They seem to be like one of a handful of Latin families, mm-hmm. you know, in this school, in this school district. Right. So there may also be that layer. I don't know that it's that thoughtful. But I'm like, I just, I hate that he's so obsessed with this. I'd forgotten what it was about. What was the? They said that he he had back surgery, and they said he went to get a rib removed. So he was and again, which is a middle school kid. A middle look, kid Kevin would think that was really cool. Even so, flex flex is like the least egregious (laughs) version of that, where it's like 
I you could like I could like call my dad Flex, and he right? wouldn't be like, "What's if that?" You, you whippersnapper into or whatever. a high school in the nineties and said, "Ayo, Flex." Six people would turn their heads around, and be like, "What? Who?" Yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, the other Flex. You'd hear kind of like um, the whistling of the wind through the racing stripes in their sideburns. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, okay, so before we wrap this up, I'm curious if either of you was in a plane crash survival situation like this. Mm-hmm. Are you bringing any survival skills to the table? Mm. I would be delicious. <laughs> you are very yes. sweet, Josh. I, I, no, It's just physically, I, I have, like, the lifestyle of veal, so... <laughs> I would be delicious. That was his nickname last week tonight. Tasty Josh. I think Josh. I'll be Neil. And, yes, and sometimes yeah. Neil. Tasty, tasty Josh. And I hated it. That's why I broke up with my high school girlfriend because she hooked up with a guy that started calling me Tasty Josh. Because he wow. thought that he had spread a rumor that I got my neck extended so I could uh, eat my right. own ass. That is so like God. She didn't even want to like test the nickname and find out if it was true. I know. Yeah. Wow. Well, it hurt her him lost. so much. Her but that is again such a like <laughs> I like the way you said like you had six guys would be named Flex and nobody yeah. would think anything of it. But it is that kind of thing where like when people say something to you mean right. uh, meanly, it hurts you even if it's especially in middle school, even when it's not empirically a um an offensive sure. or hurtful sure. thing. Uh, also though at the time <laughs> Well never mind. I just I, yeah, okay. Um didn't we sort of let go of that whole removing the rib to blow yourself like i thought we all fi- i thought we figured that out sort of along with the it was the 90s it was the 90s this is, Kevin. Yeah. This maryland is maryland manson to yeah. me oh that's the, right you know was the so tipping this is, point this is a contemporary like yeah. this makes yeah. sense no it totally <laughs> tracks. 20, 2021 you know what it is it's like you know what it is? It's the the gerbil one. Is I think where we all decided that never happened, or something. Yeah, we were like all no those way. weird things, Come all on. the celebrity rumor thing. Okay, I was gonna say also if there's any youngs listening to this podcast, we're talking about uh, Richard Gere supposedly having gerbils put into his own ass for sexual yeah. pleasure. You're welcome. You know that now. Which did not happen. But, Didn't happen. Um, I would. I would only say. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I would bring. I don't know how I would do in in the plane crash, like as the plane's going down. I've thought of that often mm-hmm. because any. I would. I would pee my pants at least. I'd be incredible in a plane. Crash. I. <laughs> I would terrible in the woods. In the plane crash, I would just be like, "This love you guys." You mean so much to me. I don't think I would be that. I think I would just lock it down and shut the hell up, but I'd be very calm. Mm -hmm. And then I think in the woods, I would sort of, yeah, I would, I would be, I would be the one telling people, don't do that. We're going to do this instead. Like when Thaisa took everyone off to go walk to the water, I'd be like, not all of you idiots. Three, (laughs) three will go and we'll see and we'll come back and get the rest of you. Let's all calm down. Honestly, they are missing that person. They don't yeah. have that person. Well, the closest thing they had was Jackie, who everyone hates. Right. Yeah. We're, we're and maybe, like, do and maybe Coach Ben, when he occasionally tries to exert his waning influence. Yeah. Like, oh, that part at the end, though, where they're like, what are you going to do yeah. about it? You're like, oh, yeah. man. That was beautiful. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, last last question. Um, what is one thing you're really hoping to see from the show in season two? Ooh. Complete chaos. In the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, because right now there's still a sense of, 
not order, but uh, you know, you want yeah the doom the doom coming was an aberration. Yes. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't something that they were like we're just we're gonna do this all the time. They snapped now. back from it real quick. I want to see it all come mm-hmm. apart. Great. I kind of think I, I I would love the show to continue, but I I think that I would like to see the secrets of the woods revealed a little bit more Mm -hmm. like again because it happened so long ago and all the characters that we spend so much time with in the the present uh, timeline the 2021 timeline were there and know what happened it feels like the longer they go without showing us the more it feels like the sleight of hand grows more um obvious like that something's being hidden behind someone's back and so i would like to see a little bit more of like here's what was happening in the woods and then even if we're still filling in with flashbacks for like character texture or like different things that are that we're seeing echoes of now i would like the the bulk of the mystery and the kind of like uh action to come back to the present That mm-hmm. that's but again, this is just a matter of my personal taste. Where like I think some people are like, I love to live in this mystery, and I'm just like, you know, everyone on this show knows what happens in right, the past, right. yeah, and you're just not saying it because it's more dramatic yeah. to not say it. And I understand the trauma response of like not wanting to talk about it, but like the more that stuff gets revealed, you're like, no one said anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping we don't find out the origin of the symbol. Like. Ooh. I don't think that there's any non-supernatural way for them to know what that means. Uh, there may be. And I'm not even opposed to the show getting a little a little bit supernatural in that way. But it's just like there's a theory that like the guy at the end when Jackie dies is the dead cabin guy. Sure. But it's like even that I'm like the way that it's carved into things. I'm like, this seems like, you know, somebody's madness caused this, whether that was supernatural madness or just organic locally sourced madness. I would really love just as somebody who enjoys being thwarted, I guess um, for that, just to not be explained. Like they just like what it, what they put on it will always be more interesting to me than what it came from. I agree. The symbol is kind of what, it was is what I'm least attached mm-hmm. to, right? I kind of like we kind of get a lot of like um implications of like what happened out there, right? Mm-hmm. And people think they know and they're like, you ate someone, right? Like that's what Jessica, the reporter slash private eye says. And it's like, I do kind of want to know the depths of what they did and what motivated it. But the symbol is like, right, I, I totally agree with you. Like when it shows up in the postcard, I don't have to know how it got into the woods for the yeah. first time. But like what's interesting is that they are now using it on these mm-hmm. postcards. It's literally symbolic. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're going to get out of here. Would love to hear where folks who are listening can find you guys on the internet. Oh, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Kevin Avery Comedy and on Twitter, although I don't I don't hardly tweet no more. That's fine. Don't go there. And I'm at Josh Gondelman, G-O-N-D-E-L, man, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, and my website, joshgondelman.com, I think I'm going to start doing a little more stand-up out and about in the world if things, you know, if Omicron numbers keep dropping. I'm not even going to say that I'm hopeful. I'm just going to not. I have some things booked. I mean, I'm ready. Yeah, to, ready I'll to cancel at a moment's yeah. notice. I'll cancel for like a good <laughs> yeah. sandwich. But um, but I'll definitely cancel if, if I think it feels unsafe. I don't want to like put people in a room and get people sick. But um, So people can either yeah. go see you live or give you a really great sandwich. And, and give me a really mind. great sandwich. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that instead of a show. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you guys both so much. Such Thank a great you. time. And Thank hopefully you. have you back in season two. Hell yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Blood Hive wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to recommend us to your BFFs and frenemies however you can. Subscribe to Kelly Anakin's hilarious Patreon or make a one-time donation to Kelly-Anakin on Venmo to help us keep the content coming. Send a voice message to bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com for a chance to hear your Yellow Jackets hot takes on an upcoming episode. Blood Hive is a production of KA Collaborative. Our theme song is Eat Your Heart Out by Wolves. Special thanks to today's guests, the team at Cosmic Standard, and my own personal judges table. Last but not least, all praise to the Antler Queen.